This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life Made Better, one more week. Now, you've recently heard us, if you're following us, that Flair and I have decided to go in this coaching adventure together. So we are joining our businesses. We are creating something very special that is very dear to our hearts. And we cannot wait to share this with you all in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. But as we were building that, that gave us or sparked a thought. And it's the fact that we have been coming at you uh, for over two years now, being on your podcast feeds, um, interviewing people from many walks of life, different journeys, all truly inspiring stories. But, and we always um, introduce or give you a glimpse as to what our paths and journeys have been. And we actually have been asked by quite a few people if we could share our stories. So we thought, well, maybe this is a perfect timing to share a little bit about us, um, a little bit about our journeys, our learnings, our challenges and struggles as we come to give birth in a way to this new venture and to help you understand a little bit more about why we do what we do and why we are so passionate about helping people to thrive and live a life that is really true to themselves and, and makes them happy. So I'm very, very pleased to welcome our lovely guest, Flirt Prime. Flirt, hello. Now, Lucia, I'm now realizing how scary is for our own guests <laughs> to have to talk about themselves because I'm very happy to talk about lots of topics but talking about myself is uh, probably not one of my favorite things to do so <laughs> thank you for that introduction and I think we better get on with it <laughs> before I run. Now, now we know what walking in our guest shoes is. So Flair, I know that over the course of, of you know this podcast life we've been talking a lot about how your upbringing was, uh, what it meant to be raised by a strong mom, uh, have uh, a sister that had her own limitations, what it also means to, you know, be looking after your daughters and supporting them with, you know, the ups and downs that it comes with that and anxiety. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit of that journey with us. Yeah, I'm happy to share. And I think that old saying, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, <laughs> has been a theme throughout um, my life. And I think that's a theme for most people throughout their life, really. There's ups and there's downs. And if we can grow through the downs, then it only enhances the ups so yeah I was born in the countryside actually in a lovely um, town in Wiltshire to two very very kind and hard-working parents and I had a mentally disabled sister and a very sporty older brother and I was the middle child I was called spirited 
another name for someone who doesn't like to be told what to do. And (laughs) I was always pushing the boundaries. But I was also, compared to my brother and sister, very academic. So I didn't find school difficult. Maybe one of my excuses, one of my stories was I became bored. So I wasn't good at focusing in class. I would challenge the teachers. I would talk a lot. And of course, that doesn't go down very well in a teaching environment. I didn't want to conform. But what I always did is I always helped the underdog, anyone that was struggling, anybody who needed extra support. I very naturally gravitated to and my best friend had lost her mum to cancer when she was nine and she was you know a beautiful soul but was very sad and we became very close she was labeled you know somebody that had problems and and needed support because what she'd gone through and I was probably labeled as naughty But at 16, the roads changed and I went to college and I did something that I really enjoyed. And that was a health and science tech. And I was so interested in how people become their best self, how people feel good, how people really do do amazing things from nothing. Some people had gone through real struggles, how they'd actually come out on top. And I worked in the special needs unit, which was part of the college. And one of the Down syndrome children was put on to our course. And again, I became her bestie. So yet again, I was helping the underdog. So I always had this thing of that people have more possibility, which is probably why I didn't like the, you know, conforming in class. And I actually showed then that I could do really well and I won an academic scholarship. I just showed that I had ability when I put my mind to it and I was interested in what I did. And then I worked at my sister's school. My sister went to a boarding school in the week and came home at weekends. And the teacher said that I had a gift at working with special needs children and encouraged me to go to teaching college. And that's where I began my love of learning. Now, my teachers could not believe that I was becoming a teacher because I'd caused them so much problems. (laughs) (laughs) And there I was becoming a teacher. And within, this is a long story, but within, uh, Within three years, I was helping lead the school because I could relate to those children that were misunderstood. I could relate to the children that couldn't sit still, who seemed to have the label naughty. And the teachers, even though I was only teaching for a year, would send those kids to me. So very quickly, I realized that I was good at empathizing, understanding, but still making sure that they were progressing. And I just became, again, I become very passionate about things when I become passionate about them. And I started finding out about learning. Now, we were in an education action zone, which is because because the school was in a really deprived area. They were always trialing new ideas 
on our school and giving us funding to try new ideas. So we were the first school to have, um, you know, like massive whiteboards with electronics. We just tried out everything we could. We were the first school to have place to be, which is counsellors in to work with the kids that were struggling. And that school, though it was super hard, I mean, in my first year, I taught a child whose um, father had been killed on the estate. Mm. No, sorry, her father, his father had killed a policeman on the estate. And I just saw what struggles some people went through. And he was the most beautiful, kind young boy. And he had to go through this suffering already. But I could see how, if you believed in people, kids it really, they really could overcome anything. So they just carried on this love of learning. But as anyone who is very passionate, they do really have to look after their own well-being. And although I went to the gym every morning before work, I still didn't know when to switch off. I'd still be working at like one o'clock in the morning every night. And after about seven years, I realized I, I felt burnt out. I'd, I was really struggling and I was tired. So I decided to go to another school and take a back seat. But of course, I don't like being told what to do. So after two years, I was running the school <laughs> because if you don't like being told what to do, then you need to be one of the leaders so you can help encourage people to do the right thing. I never really liked telling people what to do. I like to empower them, which is why I think coming full circle now us both being into empowerment and our course empowerment to thrive and going from surviving to thriving the same love and belief I had in those kids and the possibilities I mean we had kids that come from nothing that was becoming lawyers and getting scholarships to private schools and kids that came in at the age of seven didn't know that alphabet because their parents were heroin addicts and then got the top grade within four years I mean, it just shows you when you have that real belief in people and you put that work in, mm. they really do improve. Yeah. I'll stop there, Lucia. <laughs> I've got so many questions on that, but let's let's begin by unpacking a little bit everything that you just kindly share with us because I'm hearing a lot of things that are worth uh, you know pausing on. I think on the one hand, when you were talking about your experience at school and always being sort of labeled as the rebel or the naughty, I think what I'm hearing is that you were just a curious child and curiosity is, you know, the basics of everything. Now, obviously school system has evolved and I like to think has changed uh, from those years to now. But at least what I'm coming from, you know, school system has always been labelled, again, as a very regimented sort of, uh, of culture. And you've got to go by the books. This is what we're teaching. This is how we're doing it. And even though we are encouraging people or we want people to sort of be creative and think outside the box, but there are limitations to that. And obviously, you are that sort of person that you like to see the world by the possibilities. You like to look at the size, like 360. You're just not, this is the road and I'm going to follow. And obviously I can see how that back in that day might have been a challenge for teachers because you were that curious child. What I'm also hearing is that 
because of your upbringing and having that disabled sister, I think that opened up your eyes and your heart to seeing what people with challenges and difficulties might be facing. And so there's no surprise that when you see the underdog, you're inclined to go there and help because I am sure that you have seen with your sister what happens when you nurture, when you support, when you help. And what a difference that makes. So naturally, you're just inclined to do that. And your kindness, your passion, your love and affection for these underdogs shows and pays off. Not surprisingly, that's what happens when you get into teaching and start helping those schools who are, you know, more limited or challenged. So that's a long unpacking by saying that what sometimes you think of as a negative could indeed turn as the most positive thing is all in the choosing I think that's one key word that I'm hearing throughout Fleur from you and is that you were choosing all along to do and see different things am I right in hearing all that yeah and I think I really saw from an early age that you know that not everybody got it right like even the teachers. <laughs> so I would just ask the questions that people didn't want to ask. And of course, you know, some teachers saw that as me being cheeky or not following the rules. But it was, as you said, it was a real curiosity because I still went home every night and I would do my homework and I would sit and learn because I loved learning especially those subjects that I loved like you know I was really interested in science I was naturally good at maths and you know I loved that I didn't really like English because I didn't like the fact there wasn't an answer (laughs) (laughs) so I kept searching and searching I'd actually even get my best friend to do my English homework (laughs) and I would do a math so I always found a way (laughs) Uh, yeah so I do think like you said I was naturally curious and I did question and I did think outside the box and you know school is about conforming I I always had belief you know (laughs) belief in possibility but I do think I got that from my mum she's a very much anything is possible person she built her own house you know she designed it she ran my dad's business. She looked after my sister who was disabled. She was looked after half the community. She had a real I can do attitude. And it was always from kindness. She wasn't worried about, yes, they wanted enough money to live and give us a good life. But money never came first. It was always about doing the right thing. And I think that was a learned behavior. But, you know, like you said, everything, every positive has a negative. And I saw my mom as this kind of angel who always did the right thing. And that is a hard thing to live up to because as a teenager, you don't always do the right thing. And she probably didn't always do the right thing. But, you know, that was the image I got. So that striving became, you know, with my spirit and with my mum's great role model and my dad, because he worked extremely hard and never complained is a double-edged sword because it, it, I wasn't good at putting boundaries in of when I should stop. Hmm. I was going to ask because that's one of the things that um, obviously we we teach in our courses and that's one of the sort of cornerstones of coaching, right? When you start learning to understand what's yours and what's the sort of baggage 
that you are that you have picked up along the way what is the conditioning right what's your true essence and what are the things all the stories that you have picked along the way and as you were rightly mentioning on the one hand obviously having that role model in your parents particularly in your mom as you were mentioning gives you the wings to for what I see see the world as that opportunity but obviously can in a way limit what you do or see within yourselves because as you were mentioning when your mom is sort of perfect or at least perfect in your eyes what can you do to live up to that so I guess that's my question to you Flair how did you live up for that you know what part of that was a challenge and how you manage that yeah, I think we were very different as well. My mum is, is very homely and likes to be in a community. And I was very thirsty to see the world. You know, I went to London to uh, go to uni and then I, I basically went traveling. I traveled Central America, Asia, Australia. You know, I did a lot of traveling and that scared my mum. You know, I remember when I first said, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, teach in Africa. She was like, you're going to get cut up and boiled in a pot. You can't leave. <laughs> you know, just that real kind of you know, very different attitude. And that was difficult as well, because it made me think, is there something wrong with me? I'm not content. Why am I always searching for more? So, again, you know, we were the same but different. And I think that's hard for people as well, realizing that it's OK to be different to your family and want to search for things and you know and also it's okay to have part of them in you that makes you want to strive but you've got to be able to really manage your energy because if you've got a lot of energy and I have a coach and I think everyone should have a coach she always she says to me you know you're like a flame who's awakening 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 and flames burn out if you don't if you don't contain it so I think I've learned through my own coaching journey that I do have to contain that energy and I do have to, you know, pause more often and enjoy the fruits of your labor, I suppose, and not have to keep uh, pushing. And I think that's been so such a good lesson since, you know, doing the coaching that that we can have this stretch zone and succeed. But if we go and push ourselves too much, we go into this stress zone and then that, then that's damaging for mind and body so you know really important to get that balance and not be overstretched and you know still achieve but don't you don't have to do it too quickly you can do it pace it yeah and I think and I think that's something that we have heard from you which I'll be keen on on you know talking deeper because You've mentioned um, in this episode already, but throughout the, you know, the different podcasts where we share a little bit of our stories, that you came to a point in your life that you spotted that because of your passion and your will to help, you push yourself and you push yourself to a point of breaking down where you just realize that that was it. I cannot continue to do this anymore. So I'm curious to hear, how did you realize that that was it? That was the breaking point? What were the signs that you were seeing either in your, you know, your mood, your body, your brain? And how did you came to the decision of I'm changing this? And how did you do it? 
Yeah, well, I first started getting ill when I, was got, when I got pregnant, actually, of my first child. And I think that was my body saying, you've got nothing left to grow a baby, um, help run a school. And I had to, I had to give in for the first time ever because I, I didn't sleep at all. And I was starting to get real problems with sleep, which is, is normally a sign that there's stress in the body. But of course, let any you know, over passionate person, I don't even like the word achiever because I don't think it was that, it was more about passion. As soon as my daughter was six months old, I got pregnant again. <laughs> and then when my second child was six months old, I got pregnant again. Because <laughs> I was always in this, you know, once I've decided something, I, that was what I was going to put my passion into. And I couldn't go back after the second child. And then my husband is very similar to me in personality and is very passionate about what he does. And we moved to Dubai. He set up a business I set up a charity nursery in, in our villa. So we were still push, push, pushing. And then we, uh, after two and a half years, the, bus, the business crashed. We had to come back to UK and it was hard. We had three kids under three. We didn't have a big enough home. We didn't have any money because he had to start a new business, which meant we couldn't even buy a new house. And it was hard, but we just we loved each other and we just kept going day by day and do you know what this is this is a time when I was like I, I got my job for the university and I was lecturing at the university and it was the first time that I thought just get a part-time job still give back but get some balance and to start with that worked really well because I was training teachers and I would get young teachers and I would see them every week and I develop them and then they would go off into their teaching career and then after about three or four years, they, the government cut money and I then became somebody who just went in and checklist whether the teacher was doing her job, whether the school was doing their job. And it was the first time I didn't have any passion for my job. And I did that for another four years. And that is when I actually became the most flat, the most and probably ill, really, because then I didn't have a passion and I started having really bad coping mechanisms. I had, I got some really good new mummy friends who liked to party. And I think I relived my youth for a bit and we partied too much. And I didn't have any passion for my job. It was just, I was just going in and doing it. And on the outside world, to the outside world, it looked great. So to my ego, it loved it. You're working at uni. It's really easy. You're really well respected and you can still have fun all the time. But actually that was the first time I became really unhappy because our spirit, as I've learned through coaching, likes to be truthful and real. And it wasn't true to who I was. I really wanted to make a difference and I wasn't making a difference anymore. Mm -hmm. I was literally just going in and working. It meant nothing. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing. Cause obviously I think what I'm realizing or what I am capturing from your words is that the work that you once were doing, which helped transform the lives of those people that you were helping like, you know, the underdog becoming the one scoring the best grades. And then you became this sort of more of an admin role, which didn't feed into your passion and purpose. And we've said it before, how important it is to live a life that aligns to your values and aligns to your purpose, no matter what you want to do and how you want to do it. 
so long as it's aligned to that passion and purpose, which when I'm here in this case, it wasn't. And that manifested in, if I am not happy here, I'm going to try and find it somewhere else in my life. In your case was like, well, you know, this connection with friends and uh, reliving that sort of fun that I am no longer having at work became the sort of go-to. But you know, there's only a certain amount of time that we can continue to do that because when you're not in that alignment, your body, your mind has a way of showing you. So how did that manifest for you, Fleur? Yeah, I just became more and more less of energy and less of myself and tired and just, you know, none of that real, real energy that I'd, I had every day. It was only when I was going out. And one Monday morning, I I sat there and I was just so bored. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm just so bored. And I watched a life coaching video on my phone and I thought, I'm going to ring her now and I'm going to do this course and I'm going to see. I had no expectations at all. I just thought, I'm going to see what happens. I spent three and a half grand, so I should have had some expectations. <laughs> but that's how bored I was. And yeah, it changed my life. It got my got that spark for life back again because I, I realized that there was another way of doing this. And I wanted, and because I'd felt so low, I wanted other people to feel that way. So once I learned the skills in the, in the coaching program, I just felt empowered again to help people get their zest for life back. And, you know, whether it's teenagers who I work with or kids that I work with or, or mums or young people, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I feel that I help them get that zest for life back and I empower them to do it, that, that really does feel, feed my soul. And it still works around my children, which I've said it's really important to me, especially having a child with severe OCD and anxiety and having three teenagers, it's not easy. They need a lot of, you know, love and support. And I love the fact that we can work around their needs. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's that's when I met you, right? When that life coaching program showed up in your life. And I think I remember seeing you kind of like the first week and thinking, oh, this woman has a certain energy to her but seeing that transformation throughout the course and seeing you kind of grow into who you were destined to be like I always remember we were on those you know at the end of the class where we get to ask and practice the coaching and you were always the one coming up with the right question at the right time that will trigger the right you know cause of 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 feeling of action so I can safely say that if anyone is better suited for the life coaching, (laughs) you know, path in life, that's definitely you. Uh, But what I love seeing the most is flourishing and and becoming this naturally lighthearted person that brings the life the light in so many and I it it was a privilege to witness that and to continue to be able to do so what for years on <laughs> uh, so definitely that was one of the one of the best investments and timings in life isn't it five ever. years on now I think it's five you know maybe it was five I don't know lost track. Lost. time flies when you're having fun Fleur. exactly <laughs> but obviously we've just heard this has been a journey of ups and downs challenges and opportunities and the one thing that we always ask the guest um, in our podcast is where have you found 
the strength and the resources to continue. Obviously, we know that learning is, you know, is is your your serial skill, a serial learner, as I as I call it. So obviously, I'm assuming part comes from there. But what would you say have been your top resources or top places, people, inspiration that have helped you, that have helped you to continue to strengthen this muscle? Do you know what? As soon as you said that, it's, it's, it's humans. Every single time I work with someone and I see the difference that they can make, and you know, just from having a conversation, which I think is crazy, and giving them some skills and giving them some new learning, it feeds me for the next person and it just keeps driving me to learn more. So it's definitely always, you know, seeing people change and getting their zest back, definitely. That's beautiful. So one last question for you, Flair, which I think you know what's coming. How have you made your life better? I think by continuing to be passionate and curious. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Flair, for sharing time with us, for allowing us to get to know you a little bit better. I'm actually walking away from this episode with a couple of things I didn't know about you. So it's definitely worth taking this time. And to all of you listening, thank you. We want to thank you one more week for tuning in, for listening to us, for sharing our episodes with those that you feel will also benefit from listening to us. Please do continue to do so. This helps us uh, grow. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. You'll be notified the next time that we upload an episode. And please do continue to to spread the love, to come in every week. And we look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>